Season 3, Episode 6, entitled Gun Violence Awareness. Pastor Jimmy Smith demands action in his town, in Texas, for better laws to be created before another school mass shooting occurs. Plus, Miss Debbie Scott gives statistics on the lives lost due to gun violence and how she is helping domestic violence victims who experience gun violence. Plus, one of the first Hispanic women ever elected to the House of Delegates in Virginia stops by and educates us on what laws can be created to decrease lives lost due to gun violence. Plus, a testimonial from a victim's daughter who lost her father due to gun violence. Kirsten talks about the major effect that the death of her father had on her adult life, plus a tribute to the lost loss by American Idol contestant Tobias Hill. Last but not least, an all-star tribute to the victims of the Buffalo mass shooting and Rob Elementary School shooting. On the Preferable Podcast, hosted by myself, Jaden Watkins. Thank you for tuning in to the Preferable Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Watkins, and I am so excited to be jumping into this episode with you all. This is Season 3, Episode 6, entitled Gun Violence Awareness. Please make sure that you share this episode with someone. Text them and tell them to go watch the Preferable Podcast Gun Violence Awareness episode on my YouTube channel, which is Jaden Watkins, or you can head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or any other major podcasting platform to listen. Your support is what your support is what keeps this podcast going and allow inspirational content to be released throughout the world. I need your support financially in keeping this podcast going. You can head over to Cash App dollar sign I am Jaden Watkins. That's dollar sign I A M J A Y D N W A T K I N S. Or you can head over to PayPal at WJaden1 at WJAYDN1. I ask that everyone please donate at least $10 on today to keep my podcast going. If your business would like to advertise on this podcast or sponsor an episode, you can email iamjadenwalkins at gmail.com. Also, if you would like to be a guest on the Preferable Podcast, I want to give you an opportunity to be a guest. Or you have someone that you know who wants to get their business out there, get their product out there, or a young person who's just trailblazing the way they can also be a guest on this podcast and you can come on and honor them you can email i a m j a y d e n w a t k i n s at gmail.com that's i am jaden watkins at gmail.com this is season three episode six entitled gun violence awareness now let's jump into the nitty-gritties of this episode Again, thank you for tuning in to the Preferable Podcast, Season 3, Episode 6, entitled Gun Violence Awareness. This is 
part two, maybe, of a long series that might be going of this gun violence awareness. Hopefully, we can get more guests to come on and hear more testimonials about why it is so important to raise awareness to gun violence. June, which is this month, is gun violence awareness. Gun violence is a national public health epidemic that um, plays a substantial toll on the U.S. society. Gun violence includes homicide, violent crime, attempted suicide, suicide, and un unintentional death and injury. According to amnesty.org, gun violence is a contemporary global human rights issue. Gun-related violence threatens our most fundamental human right, the right to life. Gun violence is a daily tragedy, affecting the lives of individuals around the world. More than 500 people die every day because of violence committed with firearms. Anyone can be affected by firearm violence, but in certain situations, gun violence comes to an extent that is too large or too small in comparison with something else that impacts communities of color, women, and other groups and communities that experience discrimination and exclusion socially, polit politically, economically, because of unequal power relationships. Sometimes the mere presence of firearms can make people feel threatened and fearful for their lives with severe and long-term psychological effects on individuals and whole communities. I wrote that when people are afraid of gun violence, this can also have a negative impact on people's right to education or healthcare when they are too afraid to attend schools or health care facilities, or if these services are not fully functioning due to firearm violence in their community. Easy access to firearms, whether legal or illegal, is one of the main drivers of gun violence. The state has an obligation to maximize the protection of human rights, creating the safest possible environment for the most people, especially those considered to be at the greatest risk if a state does not exercise uh, satisfactory or acceptable in quality or quantity control. Over the possession and use of firearms in the face of persistent gun violence, this could amount to a breach of their obligation under international human rights law. Firearm violence can disrupt the functioning of schools and make students' journeys to and from school dangerous. Lack of state resources for education and the difficulty of recruiting and retaining teaching staff in neighborhoods that are wrecked by gun violence have a negative impact undermining the right to education. Firearm violence and associated insecurity can have a serious impact on children 
and adolescence, including by disrupting school attendance and retention, damaging the learning environment, and reducing the quality of teaching. This can in turn lead to poor life outcomes regarding employment and income, which also keeps the cycle of gun violence victims increasing instead of decreasing. Through this episode, I hope that more awareness will be brought under gun violence and that lawmakers create an immediate change to gun laws so that less people will be killed due to gun violence. Hi, Mrs. Jimmy. How are you doing on today? Hey, man. I'm super excited and grateful to be here on today. Um, I'm blessed, man, and highly favored and really uh, charged up to really see a change happen in America, man. But I'm glad to be on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for accepting that invitation. My first question is from what you have heard read or witness what is the major cause of gun violence really to be honest i believe the major cause of gun violence in america has a lot to do with uh mindset um has a lot to do with people's um belief and what they've been taught we understand that from the age of one to seven um is when most uh, people or children or adults they become who they are and so it just really has a lot to do with the environment that people grew up in or are growing up in and they feel um you know you you put a person with a good heart but they have a gun um they may not have any ill intentions into using that firearm where if you put it in a person who has been brought up in an environment of hate and, and evil or wickedness um and you give them a firearm then they may have the mindset and the thought to use it for for such. So it has it has a lot to do with our thinking and our mental capacity uh, in America as it relates to using a firearm. It's one thing to use it to protect yourself and, and or your family, but it's another thing to have it to carry out something evil. Can you please tell us a story of a person who you knew who was or is a victim of gun violence? How did that make you feel to know that they were a victim of gun violence? Why is it so important that we create better laws to protect ourselves from uh, being victims of gun violence? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, well, just here recently, I'm originally from um, Buffalo, New York, and uh, we've all heard about the Buffalo massacre, as they're calling it, or the Buffalo mass shooting where this 18 year old um, young man came from Binghamton, New York and drove into Buffalo, New York uh, to target uh, black people uh, on uh, at, at basically in a black neighborhood on the street of Jefferson um, at the Topps Friendly Market, uh, the Topps grocery store that I've been inside many a times and um and so here recently uh, as we call them the buffalo 10 um he shot 13 people but 10 lost their lives 
uh, and he wrote this manifesto and that he was basically targeting black people and he used an automatic rifle um, this this powerful weapon to shoot and kill black people and one of those out of the ten that passed away I knew personally and her name was uh, Pearl Young as we called her mother Pearl Young or sister Pearl Young uh, she was a precious member of the Good Samaritan Church of God in Christ she was a precious member of the Church of God in Christ a Sunday school teacher she ran a food pantry for 25 years in the inner city of Buffalo and um, it, it just really hurt our hearts I mean she had uh, come from a prayer breakfast earlier that day and decided she would go to the grocery store and uh, and as a result she never did even make it inside the grocery store so um, understanding and learning that uh, when this took place you know it really just shook up so many in the church community and the black community who knew her and the 10 all of them that lost their lives and, and and it's really sad to see that in 2022 that we are experiencing such hatred and violence and and wickedness and so it's just really uh, a time for us to come together and to cause uh, these you know a change to happen within America including with these laws we need we need something to happen now we need action yes we need action now yes Later on, we need it now. Why is it so important that we create change now? Yeah, well, we, we need change now because it's been it's been too long. I mean, these these kind of incidents are happening all all along for so many years, back to back, all the time. Um, and and to see white supremacists uh, or white supremacy alive and well in America, why is it that America is not you know upset about this why is it that america has not responded to this uh from the government and from the white house or the department of justice or congress uh, you know we're seeing too much violence and, and i'm you know i realize that history um whether people know it or not and, and folks who are watching this uh and will watch it history is repeating itself and we need to say okay enough is enough that's what i've been saying enough is enough as black people we've had enough and uh we're over this uh if i'm not bringing trouble to your house don't bring it to mine um and so we need to learn how to dwell together in unity and in love respect for one another especially lives i mean even what happened in texas where there's another 18 year old goes into a school and you're able to kill that many kids that many people 19 that's that's ridiculous man we we need something to happen and we don't need to talk about mental illness um you know just to say that that's what it is we need uh some type of control and and, and some type of you know understanding where a 18 year old or 17 year old are able to buy an automatic rifle a ar-15 you know, you don't need a license. You don't need a permit. You don't need a background check. Something's wrong with that. Yeah, something is wrong. Speaking of the African-American communities, the statistics 
showed that most people who are victims of gun violence in the past few years are African American males. As an African American man, how does that appeal to her and know that many of those American men were husbands, fathers, and some of them were even innocent? Yeah, well, it's it's upsetting um, to as an as a as an African American man, it's upsetting to see our our, our black brothers go through um, this type of trauma in America since slavery, uh, uh, throughout the years of the Jim Crow era. Um, you know, just you know, so so much that. African-American men have to endure in this country, in this society, in this world. And uh, it, it really is, is hurting to see um, and to see so many brothers have to deal with it psychologically in their minds uh, to fight every day and to deal with every day who they are and to protect their families and be the head of their families. Yet when they go outside the door, you don't know if uh, getting pulled over by the police or you don't know that if you're going to get, you know, uh, walking into a grocery store, this is your last time. And just because of the color of your skin. But I want to encourage all black men who are watching this and who will see this. First of all, I want to remind you that you are a king. I want to remind you that you are chosen and I want uh, more black men to come into the level of spirituality to understand who they are and uh, and to learn how to pray and cover their families in prayer and and also learn how to protect yourselves. It's time for us to, you know, kind of get that Malcolm X type mentality, uh, even in the church. And even if you go to church, it's time for us to get to a place now where we're no longer playing games. Uh, we mean business. And we're not going to be weak and we're not going to respond in a weak type of response because enough is enough. What I want to say to the families and all of the families who have been hurt by gun violence, especially in my hometown in the city of Buffalo, New York, even though there's been some days and weeks that have gone by, many of you are still hurting. Uh, many of you are still upset, confused. Uh, and I want to let you know that my heart is connected to your heart. And I, I've been on CNN, uh, I've been talking on, on the, the, the life, the beautiful life of Pearl, Mother Pearl Young, and talking about what has happened in Buffalo. I'm on this incredible podcast tonight, talking about it, and we need to continue to fight. I believe that we shouldn't allow their lives to, to be in vain, to their the death to be in vain, and, and I know... There's a lot of mixed emotions, and I know we, we pull out scriptures, but their lives were taken viciously. Their lives were taken. Um, it's not like they just went home and went to sleep and just went on. Their lives were taken from them. So we who remain, we who are here, we who are alive, if the family can't fight, we need to fight. If the family can't speak up, we need to speak up. And we need justice. We need to take action uh, because... Uh, enough is enough, as I've said before, and we really need to see change happen. But I want the families to to think on the good things, think on the positive things. Don't let 
what happened caused their lives to just be taken in just that's it. Uh, I, I teach this that people die twice. The, the last time they take their breath and the last time their name is ever mentioned. Mention their names. Say their names. Uh, all those kids in Texas that lost their lives from a vicious, evil, wicked act. We, this is more than just mental illness. Okay, this is intention. This is a person's mind, but they have evil and wickedness in their hearts. And we got to begin to see that. We do. Thank you, Mr. Smith, for being a part Thank you of so much. this podcast episode. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. I also want to tell the listeners and the uh, people who are watching on today, please forgive us. We are experiencing a few technical difficulties which may cause the video to look a little blurry or to cause the audio to become a little interrupted thank you for your understanding yeah now i'm going to jump into a conversation with a young lady who lost her father due to gun violence hi kirsten how are you doing on today hi Jaden. i'm fine how are you I'm doing good. Thank you for coming on today, being vulnerable enough to come on and share um, a story. Kirsten, can you please tell us the story of how your father became a victim of gun violence? Um, well, my father's murder happened about 16 years ago um, in October of 2006. I was um, 25 years old. Um, my father was at a friend's home and they were playing cards and it was a scheduled game and someone decided that they would pay someone, some random guys to come in and rob the game. Um, so he was killed during a robbery. Um, so I'm not going to share like the gruesome or dramatic details of my father's death, but I will say that, you know, it was one of those things where he was simply at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, he was a family man that worked really hard to take care of his, his loved ones and his family and his life was cut short because of greed and ego. So uh, it was something that was very difficult for our family to deal with. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's that's basically, you know, what happened. <laughs> yeah. um, you, as we talked before, you expressed to me that how you was around 22. How old were you at that time? I was 25. Okay, mm -hmm. you were 25. So you were starting to get the feel of adulthood uh, what impact did that have on your life moving forward as you were continuing to step in adulthood? Uh, just what role do you think this played in your life? Um, it had a huge impact on my, you know, coming into adulthood and coming into my own self. I, you know, like I said, I was 25 when I lost my dad to a senseless act. Um, and it forced me to have to grow up pretty quickly. Uh, and my entire family had to kind of pivot and shift to figure out how we were going to move forward uh, 
without without my father. And I barely had time to grieve because I had to snap into action. I mean, I was a young adult. Um, I guess technically an adult because I was over 18, but I was still there young and I was in school and, you know, kind of figuring out my life, but I had to grow up really quickly and snap into action and take care of my mom who was now alone. Um, and then soon after that, we had to prepare our minds and our hearts for a possible trial. So it was a long road to like reclaiming a sense of normalcy over our lives. Um, and some of the lasting effects of my father's death was like simple things like all of the, the rap music. I used to be a real huge hip hop um, you know, fan and all of that wasn't as entertaining as it used to be anymore. Um, just the talk of gun violence just did not appeal to me. Um, I mean, it never appealed to me, but it was something that I was okay with hearing, but then all of a sudden it just was not as entertaining as it used to be. Um, I still cringe when I look at violence, uh, gun violence, especially on TV. Um, if there's the slightest introduction of a gun or anything like that on screen and TVs and movies, I, you know, still turn my head and, and cringe. And so it's little things like that, but then also the big things like just trying to figure out the new normal and how to move forward. Why is it so important for us to create a plan, enforce it and be on one accord so that more lives won't be lost due to gun violence? Um, just this year alone, we've had hundreds of mass shootings in our country. And a very scary statistic that I just learned was that every 16 hours in our country, there's a mass shooting. And since you and I spoke on the phone last week, there have been three, um, you know, the biggest of which were targeted at children. Like we just lost 19 young innocent lives that were just slaughtered. And there was just one a couple of hours ago in Charleston. And so even though the circumstances around my father's death are much different than that of a mass shooting, it still makes me very angry that we have such poor gun control and loose gun laws. And the only way that we can advocate for change is to stick together and demand differently from our government. Um, the families of gun violence victims, they suffered the most in these situations. And they're left behind with grief and broken fragments of their lives that have been shattered and they're never going to be the same. You know, one thing I experienced is that my life will never be the same. And they deserve more than just thoughts and prayers. They deserve to be given a plan that will help prevent these things from ever happening again. So things like raising the age restriction for purchasing guns and mandatory wait periods for purchase approval, mandatory gun safety, testing and licensing and mental health checks and limits on the amount of weapons and ammunition that can be purchased are real plans that can be put into action because we have got to start having a real conversation 
about guns in this country and ask ourselves some hard questions. Like what kind of society do we wanna be? And what do we owe to the most vulnerable among us? And I know that a lot of, you know, <clears throat> those who are pro-gun are, you know, usually Christian Republicans, but to follow the plan and, and the plan of Christ and to be a part of the body of Christ is to consider what we owe to our most vulnerable in our population, people of color, poor people, those who are struggling with mental health issues. That is what Jesus would have done. He was a friend to the poor. He was a friend to the people who have those issues. So we need to start having these conversations and decide if we are going to be that kind of ally and follow the plan of Christ. We've got a lot of work to do and we need to roll up our sleeves and get it done. And that's when our prayers and thoughts will actually mean something. Yes. What keeps you continuing to want to bring awareness to gun violence? Um, I don't think that anybody should ever have to deal with the pain of losing a loved one to gun violence. I've experienced it and it is one of the most heart-wrenching things that I've ever had to go through. And it isn't just grief. I mean, of course, when you lose someone, it, there's grief involved, it's sadness, but it's so much rolled up into just tons of emotions, grief and anger, and just trying to process, you know, what the next move is and, and how this could have happened. And it's just unnatural. My father was in his 60s when he lost his life. And even though we don't know the plan, we don't know how you'll lose someone, you don't know how someone will die. I know that this was not supposed to happen. He was supposed to die of natural causes or sickness or something else. It was not supposed to be gun violence. We never dreamed in a million, oh, excuse me. We never dreamed in a million years that this would happen and it would affect our lives. And I think about all of the missed plans that my parents had to travel and enjoy their retirement and how my father missed a lot of the benchmarks in my life, like buying a house and falling in love and finishing my master's. And there are moments that I had to experience without him. And it's, it's just not fair, it's unfair. And I just don't want anyone else to have to go through that. Uh, decreasing those lives lost due to gun violence again thank you a guest on the preferable podcast today by coming on and being vulnerable absolutely my pleasure now i will jump into a interview with delicate elizabeth guzman delicate elizabeth guzman is a social worker public administrator and second generation union member who represents the 31st district in the House of Delegates, which includes parts of Prince William and Frank Q, I hope I'm saying it right, counties. She is an effective legislator who has passed paid sick leave for home health care workers and collective bargaining for public employees. She has expanded health care access and is a strong advocate for public education, women's 
reproductive rights and common sense gun reform. Delicate Guzman holds a master's degree in social work and a second master's degree in public administration. As a division chief for the city of Alexandria's Department of Adult Services, she oversees a $20 million budget for a 200 person operation staff serving some of our most marginalized populations, including our seniors and people struggling with substance use disorders. In 2017, Guzman were one of the first Hispanic women in the state's history to be elected to the House of Delegates in Virginia. Delegate Guzman earned her husband, Carlos, live in Prince William County with their children and her mother. It is my honor to introduce the song and present to others, Elizabeth Guzman. Hi, Ms. Guzman, how are you doing on today? I'm doing all right, I'm doing all right. Thank you for the beautiful introduction, I appreciate it. It's very yes. nice uh, to meet you. Yes, very nice to meet you as well. So we're gonna jump right in. My first question to you would be, from what you have heard, read, or witnessed, what is the major cause of gun violence? Well, uh, we have, I think that our community is divided and we are politicizing the event without paying attention at the amount of lives that we are losing in the process. And I think this is an ongoing issue. It's not unique to one state. It's just across different states across this country. So I think that we had to do more we cannot continue to lose lives due to the loopholes that we have on our system. And it is possible, you know, while protecting your constitutional rights, that we can implement legislation to save lives. Yes, we need to save lives. My next question to you would be, what, why are assault weapons accessible to a majority of the public and why is the process for getting, getting guns so, I would say, simple? Well, you know, I think I'm proud to serve in a state legislature where we have implemented legislation to make it not that easy. Unfortunately, we have not been able to ban assault weapons. And I remember that part of the conversation is Virginia includes some areas that include rural areas so some of the people who are in defense, they talk about safety. So when you have, I remember having females coming and visit my office and said, I do need to have access to this assault weapon because if I have to defend myself from a, uh, an animal, that's the only way. Or if, if there is a thief that come to my house. So it's, a, I think, but we are losing, you know, sight of the real issue here that unfortunately, as we see more tragedies and fatalities going on, it's because of the easy access that we have, not only to get them, but also when you transfer these assault weapons to other person. There are no system in place in Virginia though. You do need to have a universal background check. You can only buy one uh, handgun a month, but we have to you know, ban trigger activators which makes semi-automatic firearms shoot more than one shot 
with the pull of the trigger. You know, we have required gun owners to report laws are stolen gun. We are requiring people who are served with permanent pr protective orders to surrender their gun within 24 hours. We have allowing localities, and this is if this is an issue in your area with the localities, you have the authority to restrict these guns in government property, including parks and recreation centers. We have required, you know, in childcare facilities that if you are a gun owner and you want to be in the childcare industry, that you need to put your gun away locked and safe and away from children. We have, you know, exempt uh, gun safes that cost uh, $1,500 or less from retail sales taxes. We have increased the penalty for recklessly loading a firearm around children under 14. So, but all of these things are unique to Virginia, but we need to implement things like this in other states, like for example, Texas, what, what happened in uh, Uvalde, Texas, where we have not any kind of common sense legislation, but we are in Virginia are still lacking to ban assault weapons. And that's something that we need to do. But, you know, the lack of inaction, I think that as I was saying earlier, that many people trying to politicize this issue, you know, some of the members could talk about that if we provided, for example, more school resource officers or more resources to mental health, that we are going to solve this situation. I could tell you as a social worker and a mother of four children, that's not what we want. What we need is to close those loopholes that we have in the current system, not only in Virginia, but also in other states, so we can stop these uh, fatalities. Wow, that's very good information. I love you talked about making sure. I mean, I just, first of all, I love that you can speak from being a mother and you can also speak of being someone who makes sure these laws are implemented in um, Virginia, like you said, some of these laws need to be implemented throughout um, our country to make sure that more people are safe. And I've heard many times in the news that people say that we need more mental health, this, that, or the third. But some, most of the time, it comes down to simply people just want to be mean. People just want to, you know, do cruel acts. So it, sometimes it does not really come down to mental health. Like you said, it comes down to more of the choice someone choosing to do this. And you also said that handguns, can you speak a little bit about more about the handguns that uh, recently Biden stated that he would not ban handguns is what I read. So can you speak more about the safety that handguns provide? Sure. So there's many people, you know, that like to carry, and even with legislatures that I work currently, they like to carry for their safety. So what President Biden is talking about is that he wants to respect your constitutional rights. And we have seen over and over that the issue is not about people getting access to these handguns. So what we want is actually you know, to ban those assault weapons and those who are, are using on these mass shootings. So he wants, his change is not to ban, you know, handguns. 
I guess that as part of this process, I don't see anyone needing more than one gun a month as we do in Virginia. So I think that should be the next step. But I think that most, and if you are a good gun user and you behave according to the law and you, your criminal record is good, you will continue to keep your gun. The problem here is for those who are felons or those who use it to harm other people. Why have the gun violence numbers increased tremendously over the past two few years? I think that, you know, I will have to go back and check the numbers. But I think that, you know, we were... During the last administration, I think there was created a lot of hate and division among communities. And that was something that was used as a campaign item. I could tell you that people who look like me, for example, were target, you know, and put labels. Like, how can you tell someone with last name Guzman or who looks like me, whether we have, uh, immig I mean, we are, uh, we have, uh, you know, a good immigration status in this country. It's really hard, you know. However, at the same time, when you see children who look like mine in cages and are treated like animals, it hurts, you know, it hurts and there's something that you can control. And we have also seen that we need accountability, you know, in law enforcement and transparency, because while they are here to save our lives, we have seen that some of them have misused their authority and power. And this is something that is not unique. But what I would say is that these problems have been going on for a long time. But the stories when they were shared before, these stories were, you know, uh, either misrepresented or missed. So what we had to do is just when you see something, say something. And I think that now that people are seeing that violence is allowed in other countries, I think that we should limit the amount of time also that our children spend in, you know, playing these um, violent, uh, you know, games too, where they think that it's part of the norm. So we have to address that. As parents, we need to do our part. However, the law needs to work hand on hand. And that means that we have to act on the loopholes. So we have to restrict this access, you know, to these arms that are used to attack other people. So what I would say, you know, is that I wish we'd live in a country where parents could spend more time with their children. But sometimes that is not the case because we still live in a country that despite being the wealthiest state in the country, the minimum wage is $7.25 which pushes a lot of parents to have two to three jobs to make ends meet. So I think one issue is related to the next. So while these children are not spending enough time with their parents, then they are spending a lot of time on video games and seeing violence and are exposed to social media at an age where they are not ready yet, you know? And we are just losing sight of what is important of a child that should be learning now. Yes, we do. What can be done to reduce uh, gun violence? And why is it taking so long to reduce the number of deaths caused by gun violence and get better laws implemented fast? So I think that we need to stop uh, seeing this issue as a partisan issue. 
you know, because when people die, we don't look whether they are Democrats, Republicans, or independents. The issue here is that we're losing lives. So we have to stop treating this as a partisan issue. We have to stop thinking about that because you are a Republican, uh, you know, you get funds from the National Rifle Association, but it, it shows that you are tone deaf to what is going on in today's society. And as Democrats, we need to work with Republicans and to share with them those stories, those events of violence, so we can get them to support this issue. There's an increase because we have organizations, as I was mentioning earlier, like the National Rifle Association that invests millions of dollars so we, these states do not put more restrictions on gun access. And I think that is a problem. It's a, for me, is that this is not a nonpartisan non is issue. This is about a violence issue that we're losing lives and we need to work together. It doesn't matter whether your state legislature or your federal government is led by one party or the next. The issue here is we have to work together. We cannot continue to have the amount of lives that we are losing currently because we lack the ability to work together and to address the loopholes that we have on our systems. Yes, get these deals forward and get them done quickly. My last thing, I want to celebrate you publicly for the history you are making and the way you are trailblazing the way for Hispanic women um, all over the country and by uh, really sticking to your passion no matter what happens around. So by me saying that, I want to ask you this question. What legacy do you want to leave behind? You know, this is, thank you for the question, because I'm a Christian too, and you made a very good point in your opening remarks. You know, this job is about legacy. So I don't want my children or my grandchildren to tell me, you know, mom or grandma, you were in a position of power where you were actually being able to change the future so we can live in a better world, so we can live in a world with peace. So I want to be remembered as a person, as a legislator who contributed to the conversation to save lives, not as the person who have blocked legislation to um, save lives. And that's how I want to be remembered. So I will continue to be that advocate. I know there is a lot of um, communication that we have to do. I represent currently a district that it's extremely competitive, but I've been able to be reelected to be reelected. Um, three times. So, and it is because I'm very honest, you know, in my positions, I like to address the issues that I'm going to fight for, not from a partisan way, but actually how we're going to improve the life of working families in Virginia. And that's the legacy that I want to leave, that I was a fighter, that I was a fighter for working people and ordinary people right here in Virginia. And a place, you know, to live in a country where an immigrant you know, has achieved an American dream and has been blessed to be provided this opportunity to become a legislator. And like you, I think that many things happen for a reason. And there is a path for me. And the path for me is to be here legislating to advocate for these voiceless families. Yes, and I'm sure you will leave a impactful 
legacy behind and i cannot wait to see you continue to grow continue to evolve and continue to step into your destiny and your purpose thank you thank for you. coming on today thank you my next guest on today's episode on the preferable podcast hosted by myself jaden watkins is miss debbie scott debbie kearney scott is a native of vance county and she serves as the gang resource officer and domestic violence victims advocate with the vance county sheriff's office in henderson north carolina she received a bs degree from johnson c smith University in Charlotte, NC. She dedicated 29 years of her life to public service, public safety work. Outside of work, she speaks to youth groups, encouraging them to be brave and courageous, especially during challenging times. Please welcome to the Preferable Podcast, uh, the one and only Miss Debbie Scott. Hi, Miss Scott. How are you doing on today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Jaden, for inviting me. Yes, thank you for agreeing to come on today. Now, my first question I just really want to ask you is, what inspires you to want to help domestic violence victims? Well, because it's such a need. We have a lot of hurting women. Um, last year, uh, with the cases that I had here at the Vance County, Sheriff's Office, I had 138 cases. Uh, women who, what happens is once I get the email from our captain, I'll do a follow-up call and they get a chance to tell me what they're going through. And once that happens, um, you know, my passion is to give them direction, uh, what you can do next to get out of this situation. I give them a safety plan and I walk them through uh, the domestic violence protective order. Uh, most women that I come across don't know that exist. And so that's what I'm inspired by because I can help them get out. I can give them information. I can help them get to resources so that they can get their life back to some type of normalcy. And so many of these victims have children. And that's, that, that touches my heart in a different kind of way, especially when children are in that type of environment. I get a chance to try to help them get out. Yes, it's important that they have a safe place where they can be vulnerable with a trusted person and they can have a place where both them and the people they live with in the household are protected. Now, what ways have you seen domestic violence and gun violence connect hand in hand? Well, last year also, um, I'll give you a few statistics here. From October um, 20, October 1st of 2020 until October the 1st of 2021, there were 1,080 calls to our local emergency 911 regarding um, domestic issues and assaults, if you would. And that's from the city of Henderson and Vance County. We also had, um, we had out of those 1,080 calls, there were um, 80 of them involved a weapon, which could have been any type of weapon, 
but 58 of those calls were involving a gun and those were sexual assaults. So we have a serious issue here with, um, with, with domestic violence. Uh, and so again, what I try to do is get these women to resources, try to get them the information they need to try to help them get out. Um, yeah. And many times we hear different stories of domestic violence or how um, gun violence victims connected to gun, uh, domestic violence victims, but we don't be in, we have never experienced the pain, the trauma and what they have went through. So, so they hear stories, even though those stories really go to the heart at the same time, we can, their pain, the things they experience is practically indescribable. But to be able to kind of hear their stories um, brings more awareness to why um, also domestic violence needs awareness. Now, could you um, tell us why is it important that we do not just bring awareness to gun violence, but we actually put a plan into effect to decrease those lives lost to gun violence? Well, because the long lasting effect that it has on a woman or a man for that case, and the long lasting effect that it has on a child is very traumatizing. And um, that's why it's so necessary and when I say long lasting, I'm talking about a lifetime. The incidents that I've heard about over the years, even before you know, I started doing this type of work, I worked as a director working with children. And I just heard so many stories about children being involved with their parents, seeing their parents, you know, fighting with each other. This is why we have to put plan and resources in place to try to help them get out because it never goes away. It just never goes away. Once you have this experience, it lasts a, life, a lifetime. And so not only is the child affected, not only is the man affected or the woman who's involved, but family members are affected by it. And then because it's a crime, your community is affected by it. So it just have long-term effects. And if we can put programs in place early, even for children about relationships, you know, how, how, what is a healthy relationship? Um, so that they grow up and learn what a healthy relationship should look like and never in, get involved with someone who hurt them, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And so, you know, a part of what I do is educating, uh, educating these individuals. My last question to you would be, what legacy do you want to leave behind? Not only as a gun violence advocate, domestic violence advocate, or as a mom, as a grandmom, just an individual, someone who is trying to do the work of Jesus, what legacy do you want to leave behind? You know, I just like to, I, I would like it to be said that I did the best I could do to help anybody who, who God sent to me, you know. Um, I, I care about people. I always have. I care about community. Um, I love my grandkids. That's why I'm talking to you tonight about 
you know, ending gun violence? What can we do relative to domestic violence? Education is the key. You know, it, and we should we should we should do everything we can to get educated. And education starts with accepting Jesus Christ, you know, as Savior. Somebody had to teach me. And so, you know, God gives you purpose for your life. And that's what he's done for me. I know one thing without a doubt. You know, I am a servant of God. And it gives me pleasure every day to reach out to someone, to, 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 to recommend him to them. You know, if, they, if you don't know him, you can get to know him for the first time. So it's just about purpose. It's about finding your place, finding finding your place. And I hope I can encourage young people. Let it be said, you know, all of my life, pretty much I've worked. It's, it's purpose that, you know, it was purpose that I would reach out and be a protector for children. And God has extended my territory now in this area of work to help everybody I come across. But let it be said that I, I love somebody's child enough that they could find their direction and they could see me as a leader or as a mentor to help them get to their purpose and reach their full potential. Reaching their full potential and knowing that you did all that you could do and put in 100%. And I'm sure, I know that you will leave that impactful legacy behind and more. Again, thank you, Ms. Scott, for being a guest today on the Preferable Podcast. You're welcome. Thank you. I am Debbie Scott, and um, I work with the Vance County Sheriff's Office as a gang resource officer and domestic violence victims advocate. And I am so pleased today to be on this podcast with my dear friend, Jaden Watkins. Thank you, Jaden. You are a shining light to our community. You are a great leader. You are so talented, and we are so proud of you. Thank you, and keep up the good work. God bless you. Designs by T, known as DBT, is a three-year-old positive motivating t-shirt line by Brooklyn Social Worker. As a social entrepreneur, T has over 15 years medical social work experience and currently works in the space of elder justice. The founder, Tamara, utilized her creativity to create a socially conscious t-shirt line. Designs by T is purposeful and strategic in working with corporations, nonprofit leaders, faith-based organizations, social workers, and educators to enhance their organization's goals. Designs by T core values is reaching the unreached through essential toiletries. Each purchase provides a local homeless family the dignity of having what they need. Since COVID has placed new challenges, she continues to further her work. She wants her customers to look good with their tea, but more importantly, feel good knowing their purchase is enhancing social justice. To support this impactful business owner, Tamara, you can head over to www.designsbyt3.com. That is www.designsbyte3.com. You can use the preferable podcast exclusive code PREFPOTT to get $5 off your order. That code again is P-R-E-F-P-O-D-T-E-E. Go support this impactful small business today. If you would like to donate to the preferable podcast, the ways of giving 
is on your screen if you're watching or if you're listening. You can donate through Cash App, which is dollar sign I am Jaden Watkins. That's dollar sign I A M J A Y D E N W A T K I N S. Or you can donate through PayPal, which is at W Jaden One. That's W J A Y D E N One. Thank you for all of your support in keeping the preferable podcast flourishing and growing. Too many lives have been lost due to gun violence. The time to create change is now, and it starts with us demanding change for lawmakers and leaders to put it into effect. It's time out for us just talking about change. It's time for action. So many lives have been lost over the past two years with COVID, diseases, viruses, discrimination, prejudice acts, and now mass shootings that are setting new records. There are too many lives that are being lost due to things that can be prevented. Time and time again, we are heartbroken by the news of another mass shooting. Part of our healing must be the conviction that we will do everything in our power to keep these tragedies from happening in a nation that continues to face a pandemic of gun violence. It's not only the high profile mass shootings that we must work to prevent, but also the daily death by guns that claims more than 30,000 lives every year. Let's not keep the death of gun violence victims in vain. Let's use their deaths to spark change. This is the Preferable Podcast, Season 3, Episode 6, entitled Gun Violence Awareness. I am your host, Jenna Walker, saying I will and never stop making this world more preferable. Let's remember the lives that were lost by doing this tribute.
too. 